We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of Your Welcome Radio. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, founder of Coachable. I'm a corporate dropout and recovering people pleaser turned online entrepreneur, speaker, and self-love junkie. And each week, I bring you a thought or a guest to help you get inspired, stay connected, and slay your fear dragons. So get ready to thank yourself for listening, because you're welcome here. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to Your Welcome Radio. I'm so glad you're here for another week. I'm your host, Tori Gordon. And I'm just going to jump right into it, because why the hell not? I'm just curious if anyone relates to being a serious person. Like, are you so serious? I don't know about you. I am. I am. And I get told that all the time, that I need to relax. I need to have some more fun and play. Well, this week is a special week because we've got Jeff Harry, who shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves and feel their happiest and most fulfilled simply by playing more. He's worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and even Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day-to-day. He's an international speaker who's presented at South by Southwest and Australia's Pause Fest, showing how major issues in the workplace can be solved using more imagination and play. So you might be wondering, how do we add more play to our grown-up life, even now amidst a pandemic and so much chaos and uncertainty and fear that feels like is everywhere in the world? Well, Jeff is going to show us how. While we spend most of our time pretending to be important and serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of our facade and just play that the real magic happens. I mean, fully embracing our own nerdy genius or whatever that is gives you the power to make a difference and change lives. And Jeff believes that we already have many of the answers that we seek and simply just need to unleash that inner child within so that we can find our purpose and in turn help create a better world. So without further ado, let's welcome Jeff Harry. A couple of quick announcements before we jump in. I wanna first thank all of the recurring listeners that come back to the show every single week. I see you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. If you enjoy this podcast every week, please make sure to go to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, and leave us a review. I would love to hear from you. Where are you located in the world? What are you getting from these episodes so that we can stay connected? This helps the show grow so much, and thank you in advance for all of you 
who will continue to support and allow me to make content that that really touches and brings value to your lives. If you are interested in working with me in the month of October, the best way to do so is by joining the Relationship Masterclass that I am offering. This is a three-part series, Relationship to Self, Relationship to Others, and Relationship to Your Divine Highest Self. We've already had session one, which was all about personal empowerment, reclaiming your story, and developing more self-trust and self-love, and defining what that actually means. This coming Wednesday, October 14th, we'll dive into relationship to others, boundaries, expiration dates on relationships, attachment styles, and so much more. And in session three, on October 21st, I'm going to be helping to make spirituality tangible for you, taking you through a practice of surrender and forgiveness, and how to step into more love, acceptance, and abundance in your life. If this sounds like something you're interested in, please go ahead and go to torygordon.com slash relationship masterclass to register. Although we've already had the first live session, you are not missing out. If you sign up today, you will receive all three of the masterclass recordings, even if you can't join live. So you will never miss a beat and you can get all of the juicy information, teaching, coaching, and exercises that I lead you through. Also in the month of November, I'm going to be opening two spots for one-on-one mentorship. This is a three or six month mentorship opportunity with me, private coaching, and this is the highest touch program that I offer with the biggest transformation. I have seen women and men come through this program, leave jobs, start new relationships, uh, manifest incredible abundance, and really do some beautiful, deep personal transformation and healing. And I want to offer that to two individuals who are really ready to go to the next level and make a commitment to themselves for the year of 2021. So if you are interested in a one-on-one mentorship spot with me, please go to torygordon.com, submit your information, and we will be getting in touch with you to learn more about that opportunity in the month of November. So before I waste any more time, let's jump in to today's episode with Jeff Harry. Jeff, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here and jump into this conversation. I know it's going to be so juicy. So welcome. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Good, good. So let's just cut to the chase. I need to know how does one build a career Mm -hmm. on play? And when you sit down to somebody on a plane, maybe you haven't been traveling on plane lately, but, or someone asks you, what do you do? What is your pitch? Like, what do you, how do you explain the work that you do to somebody sure. who's never heard of it? So typically I first tell people I play for a living and then they're like, what do you mean by that? And then I go, well, I combine positive psychology and play together to create experiences or workshops where we deal with businesses like most challenging problems. So like toxicity at the workplace, office politics, BS, you know, (laughs) dealing with your inner critic, um, how to deal with racism at work, like all these things, but through the lens of play. So I'm all about that. And then what I do with a lot of individuals is I help them rediscover their play. Like how do you rediscover your flow? What is the thing that you most love to do that you've forgotten how to do and how do we get back there? Mm -hmm. And how did you determine or 
come up with the idea that play was essential in high performance or maybe bridging the gap for people into some of these tougher conversations in the workplace like how how did you start to piece that together that play was was a part of this that maybe wasn't being effectively um, taught or trained in in our lives, not sure. just in the workplace, but maybe something that we've forgotten. How did you come back to that? Sure. So I'll just give you a little bit of background. But when I was like in third grade, I saw the movie Big. I don't know if you've ever seen Big, but it was Tom Hanks got to play with toys. So I started writing toy companies when I was like a kid from like third grade all the way through high school. I finally was, someone finally wrote me back, told me go to mechanical engineering. I chose to do that. I probably shouldn't have, but I um, I just played with it and eventually led me to work for toy companies where I thought I would have my dream job, right? But instead, I had a quarter-life crisis because it seemed as if no one was having fun. You know, even though I was surrounded by toys, no one was playing with the toys, there were no kids around, no one was high-fiving, and I was like, this is my dream, and now what? You it know, wasn't Santa's workshop. Everybody, exactly. it, it wasn't. It was. It was as if they were selling microwaves or pillows. Like it really didn't matter what they were selling. So I remember moving to the Bay Area to Oakland, um, and like wondering what I was going to do with my life. And I remember finding a job on Craigslist of all places that was teaching kids engineering with Lego, and there were only seven nerdy people there, and I got paid $150 a week to teach kids engineering with Lego. But it was all about play. So I, I stayed with that organization, and literally through play and just making it up as we went along, we grew it into one of the largest Lego STEM education companies like in the country, maybe even the world, where we were teaching like 100,000 kids a year. And then what was interesting, because we were in Silicon Valley, a lot of uh, the Facebooks and Googles and Adobe started recognizing us and were like, hey, can you do team building events for us? And we were like, yeah, sure, of course we can, even though we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> but, but we were just playing, right? We were just making it up. That's how we decided which cities to go to. We would just pick random cities to go to because we thought they were fun. So we were just following our play, following our curiosity. We start working with a lot of these companies. And what I found was they were all about creativity, connection, and innovation. That's what they claimed to do. But they weren't willing to create the playground or the safe space for people to take risks. Okay. The safe space to have like a hard conversation because sometimes you need to in order to really be creative and really like take a leap together. So I created Rediscover Your Play just to have a lot of those hard conversations because I was like, if you really want people to quote unquote, think outside the box, then give them the playground to actually do it. Mm. You know, mm. so I called people on their BS and now mm. this is what I'm doing. Hell yeah, that is awesome. So I am curious, has there been any research done around this aspect of play and how it allows us to be more creative, innovate, do these things that you just touched on what does that if so how does that weave into this conversation into the work that you do especially those that i i can imagine the high level executives you know there's certain things that they value and certain mm -hmm. uh, things that they 
they want to see when they bring on a consultant or anybody to help right. them do whatever is lacking in their business or that they think that they can improve on. What does that conversation look like? Right. Or are people like, are, are they just signing up because you've had such growth and the referrals are right, so right. amazing and people are just saying you have to get into this. How does that work? Yeah, so some of it is momentum, but but let's just be honest, right? A lot of companies see play as frivolous, right? Mm. They just are like, I don't have time. I got to make money. We got to hit results. We got a yeah. quarterly profit reports need to be, you know, you know, submitted. Um, but what they do value is flow, right? And play and flow, in my opinion, are synonymous. And the way in which I define play is any joyful act where you are fully present in the moment where you forget about time and where you let go of results, right? So you do not have anxiety um, about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You are just fully present. And they, a lot of companies want their employees to be in flow, to find ways in which, because when they are in flow, that is when they're most creative, that is when they're most productive, mm -hmm. right? So. I challenge them to be like, how do we figure out ways in which to help your employees get there? You know, how do we find the work that they do? Marcus Buckingham refers to it as the red thread work, the work where you forget about time, because that is the work that they are, that's their zone of genius. So how do we put them there so that you can get the most out of them? Mm -hmm. Right? So I challenge them to explore that with me. I'm like doing one for a biotech company tomorrow. And it's all about let's tap into their flow that even doesn't, um, isn't even tied to their work, right? Because for example, the way in which I get into flow is I start off my day with play. So when I make a TikTok to begin my day, a ridiculous TikTok that has no productive value for me, it's just for me. It frames my day in such a way where I see everything now in a more playful way. And regarding the science behind it, from a positive psychology standpoint, there's a doctor named the doctor of flow, Dr. Csikszentmihalyi, who speaks about how when you're in flow, what it means is, is that the difficulty of the challenge meets your skill set. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that you're doing something that you really love, but it really is challenging you on every level. And you're in this flow state. And what happens is then you're able to see so many more opportunities because you're not fixated on one result. And what happens with a lot of adults and a lot of companies, they're so fixated on one result that they miss out on all the other opportunities, especially during a time like this, these uncertain times, when you need to be more in flow and less focused on results. Yeah, I mean, I a couple things come to mind as you're talking about that. One, I was listening to Chris Voss, who is a, FBI investigator, negotiator, um, who's a, a mastermind of, of negotiation and understanding behavior patterns and, and profiling people and that kind of thing. And he was saying the brain works 31, up to 31% more optimally in a positive state of mind. So I might not be the, the most, the smartest in the room right? But if 
the guy over there who is, is in a negative frame of mind and I am in a positive flow state. Mm -hmm. I have 31%, I become 31% smarter in that moment. And I'm able to, like you just said, see and make the most, see the options and make the most, um, the best decision. Right. Right. And the other piece of that is thinking about, I was listening to a podcast this morning uh, with a neuroscientist talking about the mind-body connection mm. and how when we're in stress, like literally when we have a stressful experience, like our uh, cortisol level slows down. It's the, the thing that we're focused on gets clear, but everything around it, sort of like you're in the portrait mode on your mm -hmm. phone, everything else in, gets blurry behind it. So just to your point, it is, it's harder, harder to see the spectrum of options to yeah. be innovative, to be creative, to see from a different perspective and through a different lens. Because when you're in that state of mind and being literally in your body, it, it seems like you only have one option or you yep. are feel cornered. So that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I completely agree because I mean, your cortisol levels go up, right? right? You know, and then on top of it, my uh, play mentor, Gwen Gordon, talks a lot about this. Your ability to play is not possible if you have not first learned how to soothe yourself. How have you calmed yourself? And you have to think about who took care of you because the person that took care of you the most is the person that taught you your nervous system, right? Yeah. So, so you also take on some of that trauma, some of the anxiety that they had. So you have to figure out how to do that, how to calm myself, how do I soothe myself? Why do you have some of the best ideas in the shower? It's because you're calm, you have the water flowing. You're just like, oh, I never thought about doing that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But talking about like framing the mind, right? Like let's talk about bad days, right? They talk about how if you watch news to start your day, you're going to be 20 to 40% less productive. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're framing your mind to look to all the negativity. Mm -hmm. So when you say to somebody, I had a bad day today, you didn't have a bad day. What you had was you had a bad moment. Mm -hmm. And then they, and then many studies have shown that thoughts last between nine seconds and 90 seconds. So you had that bad moment and then you ran that bad moment a thousand times in your head. And then you also looked for other bad moments throughout the day. So then you added that all up, thus resulting in a bad day. You could do the flip side of that and ask what my friend Desiree asked herself is at the very beginning of the day when something good happens, the first good thing, whatever that is, that happens, right? She asks herself, how can it get any better than this? How can it get any better than this? Like, oh, I was talking to Jeremy on a podcast in, in England a minute ago. How can it get any better than this? Now I'm talking to Corey. Oh my gosh, how can it get any better than this? I get to hang out with my friends and nerd out about play in a moment. How can it get any better than this? And you start stacking all of the positive moments in your, and you're priming your brain to look for opportunity and you have such a better day. And you know you've done this because you've done this when you travel and you just say yes to everything and you have an adventure that you never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. One of my teachers says, she wakes up and she says, I can't wait to be delighted and surprised by the day. Like mm -hmm. I wanna be delighted by what the day brings me, right? And that is so contrary to how we typically wake up. Right. Um, to your point. And I just wonder 
How do you start to have that conversation with folks who it's been so ingrained in them to operate at a certain, in a certain way or at a certain level that play is productive? And before we get to, I actually wanted to double back on something before we get there, because you said something that's important in terms of soothing yourself, Mm -hmm. which is soothing is the way we create safety in Mm -hmm. the body. Yep. We have to feel safe, psychologically safe to be and to to do what feels good to do, to make it up as we go along, to feel like I'm not going to be reprimanded or there's not going to be some type of uh, consequence to me being creative or thinking outside the box, right? right? And if now there's a bullseye on my back because I come up with a, and I suggest something that's new that we've never done before in a meeting and everybody looks at me like, what the hell are you saying? Mm-hmm. Now that that's how we stifle creativity. And mm-hmm. play, right? So yep. I think before I go to, to my question about productivity, play being product, productive, how do you start to create the psychological safety in the workplace where right. people feel like they can even say yes to this as an option for them. Yes. So I first start off um, by breaking down the, the grounds. Um, and I learned this from Gwen Gordon as well, where she talks about there's three ways in which people s- sometimes see the world. They either see it as a playground where they get to explore and they get to have fun and, and they can take risks, just like when you were a kid and you were on a playground, right? Um, Some people see it as a proving ground where they constantly feel like they have to prove themselves to other people, you know, and prove their value, prove their worth. Like this is, this is all the stuff I'm doing. Look how amazing I am. And then there's some people that see the world as a battleground where everyone is a threat, you know, and you have to meet people where they're at. Right. And I think there's another thing that, that we have to recognize is like, how did we get here? Why do so few people play? right? And let's not beat ourselves up for where we're at currently. Because if whenever someone is just like, well, why don't we play enough as adults? And I always tell them 40,000 no's. By the time you're a teen, you've heard at least 40,000 no's. You might have heard maybe seven to 8,000 yeses, depending on your family, right? Some families are much more open. Um, But most of the time you receive no's. And then on top of that, you went to school where you had to raise your hand and ask for permission. On top of that, you were given all these shoulds by your parents, by other adults, teachers. Everyone's like, you should do this. You should do that. Maybe you should do this when you grow up. Mm -hmm. So you're hearing all of this that for you to go against all of that and create a podcast, to start a new business, to create videos on TikTok, to take risks is such a rebellious act because your whole life you being told you're too much. Stop being so mischievous. You know, why are you, why are you, why are you the way you are? You're so you're weird. You're big for your britches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just like, no dude, like embrace your weird. That's where all of the cool, fascinating parts of you are, but it's hard. So you first have to recognize where that came from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you meet people where they're at. Uh, you know, an, another thing I've heard is just like, we create the playground for people to play and some people play and some people wait 
because that's part of the freedom of play is you're allowed to not play, mm -hmm. right? And then when you're comfortable enough, when you've seen everyone else do it, um, then you, you gain the bravery. There's, there's a video on YouTube from I think 2009 that shows this guy that's just dancing at a music festival all by himself, making a fool out of himself. People are mocking him. There's, they even have a video of him for 10 minutes, people are laughing at this guy, right? He's just making a fool out of himself, mm -hmm. or at least what people perceive. But he kept going because he just wanted to, he just was enjoying it so much. He was fully in flow. Mm -hmm. And then these two other guys came over and started dancing with him just to mock him at first. But they realized like, it's actually kind of fun hanging out with this guy. So they start dancing. And then within two minutes, and you got to see this video, he had 250 people surrounding him. Mm -hmm. And it was simply because he went all in and did not care mm -hmm. and then got everyone else. So when I challenge companies, I say to them, and I got this from my uh, mentor, Kevin Carroll, who says, your future is where your fun is. The future is where people are having fun. So if your company is not doing that, if you're not creating the space where your, your employees are able to find their flow and actually play, you will become the next blockbuster. Mm. So powerful. The playground, the proving ground, or the battleground. Those are the three ways. Yeah, and then just for listeners, like take a moment and consider maybe which one, where's my perspective? How mm -hmm. am I interacting with life right now is it what which state is that from and and how is that impacting the results that i'm getting in yeah. my life or in my business um because one, one other thing can i um is i always ask people who are you trying to impress right like who are you trying to impress? You're trying to impress your colleague that is going to be gone in a year. Or are you trying to impress your parents? Like if it's someone you're trying to impress, that's not going to be around, you know, in a while, like the way in which you tried to impress other high schoolers when you were in high school and now you don't even think about them. Mm -hmm. Think about that. And I think of, of Viola Davis, uh, what she said when she was just like, you know, you either claim who you are or you end up chasing your worth for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, are you chasing your worth right now? Or are you doing what you truly feel is you? Well, and that you spoke to this earlier when you're saying, when you start to do the things that feel authentically true to who you are in today's culture and society, it does feel like a rebellious act. Mm -hmm. I, and you, you kind of touched on a couple of the things that I personally have done, which is, you know, I've started a business, I started a podcast, I quit my corporate job and, and letting go of other people's expectations of me. And it felt like I had turned my back on all of these mm -hmm. shoulds mm -hmm. and expectations. And I felt like all, and this was not, it's not an accurate depiction of the reality but all eyes were on me in terms of oh let's see how long this lasts mm. or i you know she'll she'll go out and think she can do this for a little bit but this is not going to be forever right or or what have you and the thing that i see personally with my clients so often in the personal like with the individuals is whatever it is that they want to achieve or do or be is that fear of judgment 
is what are people going to think of me if I'm the guy at the party dancing the way I want to dance? Yep. But yet we all, I think, have to go through that uncomfortable transition of detaching from the opinions of other people because otherwise you are so right. We stay small. We stay constricted and constrained to other people's expectations and our own limiting beliefs that who we are as we are, isn't enough that we have to be other than who we are. Right. And let's talk about like regrets of the dying, right? One of the main regrets is that they were, that you work too much and that you were trying to impress others mm-hmm. and it's just like what are we doing like why wh- wh- why are we yeah why are we even thinking of doing that when we only have a certain amount of time on this planet i say this a lot of just like some of your best moments in your life are play moments so why wouldn't you be spending more of your time figuring out how to have more of those moments and less time trying to pursue results that are not even going to please you, but you think will maybe get the acceptance of others. And I think this goes to the conversation about, especially for those who are are making big decisions, whether it's what should I major in? What career should I start in? So often that conversation's framework is, how can I get specific results, i.e. money, i.e. status, or what have you, or, fit into what mom and dad think I need to be or should be and all of that instead of what lights me up, what energizes me, what was the last thing I was doing where I forgot about the time and results, like you say, and that is not the leading question when we are faced with making a decision about how to spend our lives. Yeah. The vast majority of our time, like, so much of our time in our adulthood is spent working, like you say, and yet the majority of us are doing things that we don't are, if, if good, that we are uh, okay with or that we can manage or that we can, um, what's the word, that I, I can at least just get through it. I'm not excited by it, but it right. could be right? Right. You're just, you're just meh. You're just Mm -hmm. numbing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the way in which a lot of people like binge watch Netflix or scroll through social media. And, you know, talking about social media, let's explore this for a moment, right? I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who also does ridiculous TikToks and sometimes we forget why we did it in the first place. I do it because it's just playful and fun. And I just like to make them because they're ridiculous. But sometimes I get distracted and being like, well, I'm not getting enough followers or not mm-hmm. enough people are liking my post. And, you know, and I get focused on the results. Mm-hmm. And she has had to remind me at times of like, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because it was just a playground for you to have a good time. And whenever I do that, that's actually when I create my best work, which is then ironic because then that's when I get more people to follow me. But by then I don't really care as much because then I'm like just creating the content for myself and then just letting it out into the universe and then letting go of the result because it actually has nothing to do with me, which is ironic, right? It's just like you make the stuff and then you put it out in the world. And something you resonated with that you said earlier reminded me of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert quote, where she goes, personal transformation does not happen 
until someone gets tired of their own BS. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's the question I have for your listeners. And I, I called myself out on it. What is the BS that, that I was telling myself? I was telling myself back in March, I didn't have time to make videos. Then guess what? COVID happened. It was like, you have all the time in the world. Are you going to do it or not? So it's a challenge of like, what, what, it, what limiting beliefs are holding me back from something that I've always wanted to do and finally, when am I going to be getting, when am I going to get tired of listening to the old me that's holding me back and be willing to embrace the new me? And I'll tell you one of the biggest ones for me that, that shifted so much energetically for me and allowed me to get and stay and operate in flow, which was the belief that I carried for so long and so many will, will relate to this is work has to be hard. Work is hard. Mm. That is what it means to me an adult work hard and hard work is what's going to get you to whatever success you want. And, but there has to be a constant struggle to experience or attain or achieve what you want. And that is actually contradictory to what you're saying, which is let's do the thing that is, feels good. That is most Mm -hmm. exciting, most energizing and and something one of my teacher, Peter Crone says, be fully committed to the outcome, but totally unattached. Right. Like I'm committed to, to being my best today, but I'm unattached to what that has to look like. Right. Or right. That, that in the workplace that I'm, I'm committed to being a company that doesn't just put our values on the website, but lives them. Right. But I'm unattached. To, to that in the sense that we have to do that by any means possible, even if it means lying and doing things that aren't in integrity for yep. us. Yep. And, and this resonates with me because I think of positive psychology, the stuff that I've been studying, right? And a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, oh, toxic positivity. You got to be positive sure. all the time. And it's just like, no, that's delusional. That's not what I'm talking about. Positive psychology is all about the study of what is right with people. Because up until like the 1980s, psychology had mostly focused on what was wrong with people. But positive psychology is focused on how do we move people from neutral to flourishing? A lot of the work that you do, right? Mm -hmm. So let's explore what are you doing well? And how do we double down on that? And let's explore what that might take on. You know, and then the other part that I challenge a lot of people to do when they're like, well, how do I find my play? After you learn how to soothe yourself and calm yourself down, that's when I challenge you to get bored. And that's weird for someone that's a play person to be like, hey, let's talk about boredom. But think about when you were a kid, you had your best ideas when you were bored, when you allowed yourself to be like, you're sitting in the grass and you're like, well, what am I going to do? I think I'm going to leap off of this, this cliff right now. You know, like you had some crazy ideas, but that means that you are not then binge watching Netflix. You are not scrolling through social media because that is gonna numb you from all of the great ideas that your inner child, your inner curiosity is whispering to you. So finally you're allowed to get bored and then it starts whispering like, hey, start that business, break that video, reach out to that person that you really like that you've always wanted to reach out to but you haven't, you're too scared to. You know, book, book that trip to that country you've always wanted to for 2021 and just believe that it will happen, you know? Like, yeah. Explore that and see 
where that energy takes you mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised where it leads you. Well, and I can't, I mean, I cannot imagine it's many people working adults or wherever you find yourself, maybe you're laid off, maybe you're furloughed right now or what have you that can honestly say, when's the last time I've been bored? Because we, we glorify busyness. Yes. Especially in America. Glorify and praise people. Oh, how are you? I'm busy. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's like the, the hallmark of we're somebody and we're, we're mm -hmm. important and we're so busy and that's why I matter. Right. right. Instead of like you are saying the boredom or what I would actually sort of relate, I would relate to stillness when we're still, we can hear mm -hmm. ourselves. And instead of being inundated with all this information, the, yep. news, the, the social media, all the stuff, that's when we, our attention is on everything, but what is true and internal. <laughs> and you're like that depiction you gave of the kids sitting in the grass, just picking clovers, thinking about what to do. Um, is so pr really profound because I would challenge listeners to get out of your comfort zone because busyness has become your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. And I would even go a, a step further. Uh, my friend Angie Cole taught me this a lot of like, how, what are you, how are you measuring your self-worth? Mm -hmm. Are you measuring it by your productivity? Because when COVID happened, Everyone was challenged because all of a sudden you couldn't be as productive. Are you measuring your self-worth by how much money you have? Like, is that really giving you the happiness that you truly want, right? I speak a lot about this, this uh, term called affluent deadness that I came up with, which is I know millionaires. I know people that have everything. They could travel you know, around the world you know, three separate times and still have plenty of money left over, right? Yeah. And they look dead inside. They do not look happy at all. They have all the things, you know, they can do whatever they want, but instead I see them so worried about losing their money, so worried about not having as much as somebody else, always comparing and contrasting, and they have what you would consider all, having it all. Mm -hmm. So why are we even striving for that when the people that are there are not even enjoying themselves, mm -hmm. right? Like, what is it that provides you value? Like, how, what makes you fulfilled? What is a great day for you? Like, asking yourself that question and exploring what answers come up for yeah. you. And then the, the other challenge that I have people um, at, uh, do when they're like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just so confused. I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, I just don't know anything. Um, I do this play experiment where I ask them to reach out to their friends and ask them these two questions. The first one is, what value do I bring to your life? Because I think a lot of times we don't know the value that we bring to people's lives, right? So like, what value do I bring? Like, why are we friends? Like, what do I do for you? And you'd be like, like you're vulnerable because you're like, I don't know, what if they say nothing? But there's a reason you're friends. Like, what value do I bring to you? And then the second question is like, when have you seen me most present, like most alive, most joyful, most playful? Like when was the last time you saw me having so much fun? What was I doing? And then explore that because between 
exploring your boredom or your stillness and listening to those questions and the answers that come from that, you have like such a vast amount of opportunities to play just mm-hmm. within that realm. And one of the questions I asked myself when I was going through this transition and I challenged my clients with, because like you said, I think I don't know can be so many people's default response of, of what, oh, what do you want? What do you want to be doing? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Okay. I say, if you did know, let's pose this question. If you did know, what do you think it would be? That's one of the things I say. Which is hilarious because it's the same question. Well, but also it's, it's just getting them to default is just, there's the wall there. I'm not going to yep. even enter in yep. and ask myself. So then this is a second knock of let's see if we can enter into the doorway of ourselves where we have the answers that we right. and right. and have a discussion. If I did know, what would that sound like? Or what would that feel like? Right. And the thing I ask my, my clients is where does your mind go mm. when what during the day and you're working on something and you're daydreaming, what are you daydreaming about? Mm. For me, when I was in my corporate job and I, I describe this as sitting on a fence between a life that I had lived and a life that I knew was calling me Mm. and I didn't know, but was filled with a lot of uncertainty, um, was during my calls, during my conference calls, when I was hitting the next slide button, every time my boss would say, Tori, can you hit the next slide? Right. My mind would be off thinking about the podcast I wanted to listen to, the book I wanted to read, the thing I had just learned, wanting to do this, this work myself. And if Mm -hmm. you can ask yourself what, maybe that's fixing up things at the house. Maybe that's decorating your apartment. Maybe that's planting your garden and tending to, I wonder how my plants are doing right now. You know, just that's another avenue and entry point into to these possibilities of, of where our true essence and our most authentic expression really exists. And, and then giving yourself keyword here, because I know this is going to take a conversation in a different way, is mm-hmm. permission yes. to do it. And okay. I was reading a blog of yours that I absolutely love, which is all about this BS phrase we all use, which is, can I just have permission to be human, right? The permission to be human, the permission to fail, the permission to make mistakes, the permission to not get it right, the permission to show up and try something new, right? And how we're having to, we're granting each other permission to do all of those things is one, it's just, I think, a depiction of how far we've come away from play. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this that if we're not being human, what are we being, right? If we have to ask for permission to be human to do these things, what are we being all the other times? Exactly. And it's, and what I find so interesting about that question is also, how do I show up imperfectly and be okay with that, right? Because I think so much of the time, we're forced as adults to not only just get fixated on a result, but we're constantly asking ourselves, is this right or wrong? Is this the right thing to do? Should I do this? Like you're looking for that right answer. And if anything, these uncertain times have pointed out, there is no right answer. Mm -hmm. The right answer 
is your answer. You know, nobody really knows what they're doing. They're just, all, we're all making it up as we go along, you know? And the perception was that some people were like experts at it. And it's like, uh, it's more like they, they know their way. And if it resonates with you, awesome. But you know your own way. And it's simply like really asking yourself and really exploring like, who am I? And like, how do I want to show up today? And if I show up today imperfectly, am I still going to be loved and cared for? Like, am I still going to be able to connect? And what's ironic is when you're able to show up imperfectly, that's when you connect more, right? That's when you're more vulnerable. If you're willing to ask those questions of your friends, it's scary. I'm not denying the fact that it's scary to ask those questions, but you also will then have a deeper, more exciting uh, connection with them. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I stopped asking people what they do for a living. I find that to be a very boring question because it says nothing about who the person is. I want to know what mischief you've caused recently. <laughs> I want to know what trouble you've caused. I want to know the weirdest thing about you because that is like a more exciting question that actually gets people to think about like, what is weird about me? Ooh, well, I do this, but I don't tell anyone this. You know, it's just like, tell me, let's have this conversation because then we're able to really truly connect as human beings and stop acting like these perfect individuals, these Instagram story individuals when none of us are that. Yeah. I mean, and we're policing each other for that, per like that perfection yep. and it doesn't exist. Right. And so also it's just, it, every time we're asking someone else, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I not have said that? You know, was that in all the cancel culture and everything that yep. we're experiencing right now, it, one, it's another way we're outsourcing our self-worth. If you agree yep. with me, if you validate the thing I thought, yep. then okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Right. But if you, God forbid, disagree with me or share a perspective that you have that's, that's different than mine. Now I'm unsure of myself. Now yep. I'm like, I'm not okay with just having a dialogue that's open for discussion. I'm now worried that something's wrong with me mm -hmm. or that you're going to see through mm -hmm. this facade or this mask that I've been carrying around. And now I'm a little uncertain and that causes people to do some crazy things. Right. So, so back to the point of play, I, I am all in. I'm like, I don't want, because, and I don't know if you know this about me, you probably don't, but I have lost many people. I lost my sister, my mom, many people in my life that caused me to come face to face to the reality that my time and my energy are my greatest assets. Mm -hmm. All I have is my time and my energy and what I give that energy and attention to. So I want to do more of the things that make me feel good, that light me up and that are exciting to me and make all those moments matter. And I also can notice in my body what it feels like when I am disconnected from the present moment. Right. right? So I'm cu curious for you, how, what is the method? Cause you say you have something called the play method. What is, is that a curriculum? Is that a framework that you teach? And what does that look like, um, whether it's for an individual or a company, 
what are the aspects of that that you take people through? And, and ultimately at the end, what does someone, whether it's a team or individual, what's different about them at the end of that experience with you that is, is new compared to how they entered in to that program? Sure. So I, I run a workshop called Your Future is Where Your Fun Is with my colleague, Lauren Yee. And what we love to do is we love to have people explore what they love to do when they were kids, right? Mm -hmm. So like, what did you love to do? What was like one of the favorite things you loved to do when you were a kid? Makeup dances and little skits and then perform them for our family. I love that. And why? Why did you love that so much? Like, what was it? Was it the creativity? Was it the connection? Like, what was it? I think it was, I love to perform. I mm -hmm. personally loved being the center of attention, singing, dancing, just having, being expressed in, in front of people and have everybody having their different roles and being able to take on different personalities and, and act out different stories. I was, I loved that um, because it also gave me um, the ability to, it felt really challenging, but it mm -hmm. also felt very exciting. Um, yeah, there was just a, just an excitement around performing and, and that's still today, but not in the same way. I definitely right. remember the, the, when I started to shy away from having the attention on me and then putting that on other people. When I was young, I was all about, you can look at me, I'm going to dance, I'm going to perform. And I was confident and, and happy and sassy doing it. So, so I hear that and what I hear are certain play values, right? I hear a value of like performance and, and you know, entertaining. Mm -hmm. I hear um, challenging yourself, like, you know, like to the utmost degree. Mm -hmm. I also hear doing things that got your adrenaline pumping, like yeah. something that was like taking yourself outside of your comfort zone. And what we do is that we take those play values, like, okay, those are the ones that existed for you. Either what do you do now that has those same play values mm -hmm. or what could you be doing mm -hmm. that has those? And then we explore that. And then we have people brainstorm, sometimes even with other strangers, where you share your play values with people and then people just start throwing out ideas to you. You start writing down all those different ideas. You're like, maybe you should do a podcast. Maybe you should make a movie. Maybe you should write a book. And then you're like, you write all these ideas down from people you may not even know or you don't know that well. And then we, you look at the list together and then you're like, circle the one that brings you the most excitement. What's mm -hmm. the one that has the most energy around it that you can do right now? And people circle it and then, and then right after we do that, we go, all right, I want you to text a friend and tell them I need your help to help me pursue this. And then you actually are accountable to that. And that is the beginning of people being like, oh my gosh, I can play or oh my goodness. I have, an, I have one step that I can do to start playing more, whatever that case, that thing may be. And here's the other part that I think we have to look back on is our life is ne never linear. If you look back at your life, like it, it's all over the place. So why do we plan our lives linear when everything, when we look back is not that way? So if that's the case, explore your curiosity, 
There could be something as random as making a TikTok video or writing a blog po post that leads you to a job traveling the world that you never thought was possible. And you didn't even, those don't even connect, but mm -hmm. simply because you are willing to like put yourself in front of a camera or you are willing to just be brave enough to write what you thought, your thoughts actually on paper, and you got over that fear, that gave you enough bravery, which is really embracing fear, but still walking with it, right? And being vulnerable. Um, and it opened up all these other opportunities. And then you start seeing things that were possible that you didn't think were possible before. And that is one of my main goals is that you see something possible that you didn't think was possible just because you're willing to play more. Yeah, because I, I love the quote, if you can see it in your mind, you can see it in your hand. Mm -hmm. And, but also knowing that your willingness to step in and take accountability and to do that thing that you circled on your page, which brings you the most excitement and energy is also going to lead you into a realm where you don't have the certainty that you crave. Right. Right. And being okay with that, because this is how for all the people listening who are all about how do I manifest more things and how do, the things that I want, you do it by saying yes to the thing that's right in front of you, right? Yes. The, the, the next thing. It's, the next it's step. You, you're not going to know every step to get to the top of the staircase. Mm -hmm. You say yes to the stair that's in front of you. Right. And then the next one will appear, right? right? You said these things that connect in our lives that we could have never planned ourselves to know that I was going to meet this person that was going to introduce yep. me to this thing and give me this book that ignited this in me. And, that, you know, it's just... And as an example of that, because you have brought up TikTok a couple of times, I got on TikTok because I was tired of creating Instagram content that felt like everybody else's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and TikTok was a place I didn't know anybody that was on. I didn't know anyone was on the app. And I felt like there was a freedom because that created a safety for me to just show up as me. Yep. And to create whatever I wanted to. And from that expression uh, and that truth and that energy where it wasn't desperate, it wasn't like, I have to get a certain response mm -hmm. or people are going to be watching me and they're going to be judging me. It was just, I'm going to do what I want to do. That actually was the catalyst for bringing in the, the hundreds of thousands of followers that I have now just because I was me and that I right. didn't have the, um, you know, the, I'd gotten rid of the box that I was kind of playing in before over on, on a different platform. And that's just to show when we become and remember who we truly are and do more that is true to that, instead of all the things we think we should or expected to do, the more things start to happen in our lives that seem, uh, synchronistic or we meet the right person at the right, right. time or it, things start to quote unquote flow. <laughs> right. And, and just think about that. When was the last time you practiced being you, right? A lot of times we're always practicing being somebody else. You know, we're always told to be somebody else. The, the challenge with all social media and like, you know, any TV that we watch is everyone else is telling you to be somebody besides yourself. So it's, it's on you to, to really be like, how do I want to show up today 
in a way that is really weird and imperfectly me. Who is my nerdy me? And be brave enough to like embrace that and be okay that some people are not going to like it. But most people will because they'll at least be able to connect with the real you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is so important, you guys. And I just want you to hear that if you have been waiting for this permission slip to come in the mail to say, hey, you get to have the life that you choose and that you can do the things that you want to do that you've been saying. Like how many people work their entire lives like, I'm going to work till retirement. And then at retirement, I'm going to do the thing I want to do. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I don't have time to waste. I'm not exactly. here. I, I'm, my time is so precious. I'm not going to wait till I'm however old to go back and do the things I wanted to do. My youth, my, my time is all, I've never lived in my future. I've only ever lived right now. And yeah. so when I start to say yes, and you start to say yes to the thing you want to do now, instead of saying, well, when I have more money or when yep. I have more time or when I have, you know, the kids are grown up or whatever, um, that is just saying every time you say that it's, I'm not worth it. Right. And also you're saying, um, well, that time will never come because you're just pushing it off. Mm-hmm. And, and, and why are you pushing it off for what? To, to watch a new Netflix series? Like, like, what are you pushing off that could, could be the best thing that you ever discovered about yourself? And I recognize also why we do it. It's because we're scared. We're scared as much about the failure as we are scared of the success, right? But here's the challenge um, I, all, uh, I challenge for your listeners is, is I will goodwill hunt them, you know, because do you remember goodwill hunting? Yes, you know, the, the part... The part that resonates with me most uh, is when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are at that construction site and Matt Damon is the genius, right? And Ben is just working the construction site with him. And Matt just told him, he goes, we're going to be raising our kids, you know, and watching them play baseball at Foley Field. And Ben just stops. And he's just like, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. I am going to kill you. And Matt's like, oh, what, what? Because I'm a genius, like, I owe it to myself. And he's like, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. You owe it to everyone else here because anyone would give anything to have what you have. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in. And that's the challenge I have for your listeners is like, we all are sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're sitting on something that is for you that frankly needs to happen. Um, Howard Thurman says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because Mm -hmm. what the world needs is for more people to come alive. Mm -hmm. Somebody is waiting for you to show up imperfectly and create whatever the thing it is that you want to create so they can show up. They need that permission, just like that guy that was dancing. They need you to get out there and dance so they can dance. Mm -hmm. So, so, know that not only are you doing this for yourself, but you're actually doing this for anyone else that you interact with and for the world when you're willing to show up imperfectly and just nerd out and play and follow your curiosity. Yeah. Marianne Williamson says she's the one that quotes or has written, it's not our, um, it's our light, not our darkness that most frightens Mm -hmm. us. But by 
basically by not dimming your light, by shining your light, it unconsciously gives other people the permission to do the same. So by being more of myself, by doing the thing that is authentically true for me, even if you think that might hurt somebody else, maybe that means leaving a relationship that isn't Mm -hmm. for you anymore. It's actually the most loving thing. The, the, the most honoring, true thing for you is the most loving, loving and best thing for everybody else involved because yep. now that frees that person to go get, be in a relationship with somebody who is fully committed and yep. is fully in that. And, and instead of always being afraid that we're all so fragile and that we're just going to ruin each other's lives if we do the thing that, that we want to do, or I'm going to ruin my kids' lives if I... Yep quit this job and then I'm not going to be able to provide the way I'm providing now. And what if this new coffee shop I want to start doesn't take off? My kids are going to resent me, but your kids are going to watch a parent that didn't live their lives as a martyr, but lived it as a model Yep. that you're worthy of your desires, that you can create whatever you, you choose to consciously put your time and energy into. Right. And, and that to me is so much more important than any new iPhone you can give your yep. kid. Yep, yep, because you're actually, kids watch your actions, they don't watch your words, mm-hmm. right? So seeing you show up vulnerably and imperfectly is such a gift to them because then you are letting them realize like, oh, I can be me. Mm-hmm. And isn't that at the end of the day, just what we want? We want just permission to be ourselves, right? So, mm-hmm. oh. So good. So good. Yeah. So and good. I, and I, I guess the last thing that I'll, uh, that I like to express too, that's part of play that I think is really important is, you know, when my dad died in 2015, I remember going to the funeral and being surrounded by a bunch of his brothers that hadn't seen each other in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And that brought me a lot of joy. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm at this funeral and there's, and I'm feeling joy, I, I feel conflicted. But there was something powerful about recognizing that, oh, I can feel joy and grief at the same time. I can feel sadness and also feel somewhat happy, anger and perseverance. Like there's something magical about owning the nuance of it all, like in the movie Inside Out. And that is when you truly are at play because you are allowing yourself to feel all the feelings. That it's not just one feeling, but multiple ones. And that is a more exciting, adventurous life to live. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Totally. So as a one final question, um, one thing that you pose to the listeners, which is what is the thing that you've most love about yourself or that you've discovered about yourself? That's just so yummy. What is that for you? What is the thing that you've most recently, the most delicious thing that I've found is um, I've been doing this experiment with my friend Andrea where we will take risks that we didn't know. Well, we, we don't know what's going to happen, right? So mm-hmm. we apply to a bunch of things that we think we might be quote unquote unqualified for, but we do it anyway. Right. So we like applied to the Ted Fellows program. You know, I've reached out to like random podcasters that I don't even know if they would ever say yes. You know, I make these like ridiculous videos that, but I'm doing things that are like, oh my gosh, this is so scary, but I still want to do it because I want to feel, 
I want to feel the roller coaster ride. I used to love roller coasters. Well, I can't do roller coasters right now. So what's a roller coaster adventure that mm -hmm. I'm doing today? You know, I, um, I, what is it? I, oh, I recently, this was really fun is I just moved into a new place. And I was like, well, I can't meet people because, you know, social distancing and stuff like that. Well, why don't I do a reverse housewarming? So I bought Starbucks gift cards and I wrote a little letter and I put it on the doors of all my neighbors, you know? And I was just like, hey, I'm the new person. You that know, is just, amazing. It was just like, well, usually they're supposed to, you know, do it for me, but no, let me, why wouldn't I wait for that? And like, <sighs> there are opportunities to do things that are connections, right? Also, I could get rejected or someone's just like, don't ever put something on my door again. But there's something exciting about being like, you know, when a thought pops up and I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Oh, it's also scary. Oh, I got to do that. That's yeah. what I do today. Yeah. And then I, I just, and then I just pursue that and see mm -hmm. what happens. And I have such a more exciting day when I do that. I love that. I have a saying, if it, you know, if your dreams aren't big enough, they, or if they're, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Yeah. So I follow my fear. I follow my, the things that scare me and that's my indication. I need to go do that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So amazing. This was such a good conversation. I know and can see how you are making such a, a big impact on, on the world. So thank you for sharing this wisdom with us and, and granting a big fat permission slip to all my listeners to go out and have fun in the midst of so much uncertainty and stress. It doesn't have to be all of that all the time. You get to enjoy your life and life is meant to be enjoyed and to be experienced and lived to its full capacity. And that means feeling it all mm -hmm. and experiencing it all and welcoming it all, because that means that you are still here. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, oh, I agree with you so much. And thank you so much for this conversation because it is, it is such a privilege that we have the opportunity to wake up every day and to follow our curiosity because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So if, you, if not only doing it for yourself, do it for anyone else that doesn't have that chance of like following that curiosity because that ultimately might not only change your life, but everyone else that you touch. Mm, so good. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for your time. How can people stay in touch with you if they want to continue to get to know more about your work and, and what you offer the world? Where can they find you? Sure. So they can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com. And then my uh, handle, my social media, media handle is Jeff Harry Plays, J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. And I'm on that handle at TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Medium. Yeah. He's <laughs> everywhere, you guys. So no excuses not to find him. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Make sure you screenshot this episode. Tag me on social media at Coach Tori Gordon. Wherever you're hanging out, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I'll be there. And I want to hear from you. What did you take away? What are you going to do this week that's going to infuse more play, more imagination, and more fun into your life? Because that's where the magic starts to happen. Don't forget, if you want to be a hero to somebody, make sure to share this episode and podcast with a friend. You never know whose life you could change. I love you all. Thank you for listening. And you're welcome.